Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you so much for this day. I thank you, uh, man, just for the privilege of gathering with your saints. Lord, I pray that um, we would all just be open uh, to the movement of your spirit and the prodding of our hearts um, in the ways and directions you want us to go. Lord, I ask, uh, man, humbly that you just help me to preach your word, preach it well, and that I wouldn't get in the way, and I will give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. How are you guys doing today? That's really good. I'm glad. Hey, uh, so we're going to start with a little um, demonstration. I already told the guy. So Muscles McGee, I mean Luke, come on up. Give him a hand. Perfect. You can stand up here, man. Everybody wants to see you. So as you can tell, this guy is a fit, muscular man, right? That's it. Go sit down. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I just want to say that. Now I need another one here. You want to come up here, Lucy? Probably not. You want to? No? Yes? Okay, Jill, you come up. Give her a hand. By the way, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a, I can already sense it, and I'm just going to tell you, I know you got a couple weeks of nice people being up here and preaching to you, okay? As you can tell, my voice is almost gone. I'm telling you right now, if you guys uh, are going to do this sleepy thing today where you're like, hoo, 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 you know, and half clap and stuff, I'm, I'm heading home, we'll all go home and uh, not waste their time, okay? So wake up, you're already here, Right? Grumpy, hey, grumpy people, yeah, hey, gr hey, grumpies, I can see you, all right, you're already here, so let's, let's try this again, all right, give them a hand, yeah. all right, now, we're going to play a game here, okay, <clears throat> and you guys can participate in this game, in said game, so, Luke, Jill, as you can tell, similar size and build, right, no, <laughs> Um, what I would, what, I'm going to ask you both different questions, okay? So I'm going to start with you. <clears throat> if I gave you, and I'm not saying I will, and I'm not saying I won't, maybe there's a $100 bill in my pocket, maybe there isn't. I will give you $100, all right? If I said, I will give you $100 if you turn this way and she comes from there and jumps, could you catch her? Like, okay, that's 100 bucks, yes or no? Yes. You're confident? Yes. Okay. All right, let me ask you this. I'll come to you. If I gave you 100 bucks and said, can you catch Luke doing the same thing? Do you feel confident in that? Really? Yes. Jill, I'm telling you right now, I so desperately... No, no, no. Catch like this, not on your back. I don't think you could catch him like this. He's not walking. He's going to run. Okay, fine. That's fine. Demonstration's still going to work, Okay. Now, if I were to tell you, okay, if you catch her, if you don't catch her, you have to pay me $100. Will you still take the bet? Yes. Good man. How about you? Okay. There we go. All right. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Why not? Uh, I guess lack of confidence. Lack of confidence. Why? You said you were very confident, very, very confident when... I got, I got lots of giggles. Yeah. So you were confident you could catch him, right? Why, why were you more confident in that when it was I give you money versus you pay me money? Okay, it costs you something. All right, let's do a different thing. Could, if I told you that you had to catch Jill from jumping the rest of you, and camera can't see this, but you guys can, from the top of that, whatever this is, backdrop, okay, she's on there, she's going to leap, and you catch her. Do you think you can? Uh, yes. Okay, if, do you, so would you take that bet, like yes. right now? You yes. think you could? All right, that's good. Do you think you could catch him? Okay, all right, so you would do it for 100 bucks. 
Okay, would you do it if I said you had to pay me 100 bucks? You still confident? Yeah. Okay, are you still confident if I say if you miss her, you have to give me your house? No. Okay, <laughs> all right. Okay, why not? Yeah, but you were completely, same thing. Yeah. You're still, you were completely confident when I'm going States to, there we go, there you go. All right, give him a hand. Go have him, have a seat. <clears throat> Did not expect Jill to say yes. I really wanted to test that. <clears throat> I should have known. Hey, listen, <clears throat> and he said it. It's like this dude's preached before, right? Um, everyone's confident, right? They were confident when they had the possibility of getting something, right? But when the possibility of losing something, all of a sudden, and Jill said it, her confidence and even his confidence shakes, right? And that could get even more <clears throat> crazy. I could have said, okay, Luke, if from here, right, just two feet, if you drop her at all, if anything happens, I'm going to shoot your family. I know that's crazy. Stay with me, right? Would you do it then? No, why not? Because the stakes are higher, right? Same thing. It's two feet. He's confident, even if he has to pay me 100 bucks, even if I pay him 100 bucks, he's that confident. Except the higher the possibility, the higher the stakes, the more that you could lose, right? His confidence begins to wane. <clears throat> the world's crazy right now. Feels crazy. And let's just, let's just cut to the chase. We all say it ever since 2020. Things have seemed weird and like they haven't come back, right? They haven't come back to normal. <clears throat> Even this, I'm sick all. Anyone else feel that way? You're just constantly sick for some reason? Yeah, no, just me? Anyway, um, yeah, it's weird. It feels scary and big and out of control, right? Whether it's politics, <laughs> economy, threats of war, countries, you know, uh, man, what was it? Rattling their sabers. It means talking big, right? Threatening war. There are diseases, sicknesses, is the dollar going to go under? All of these crazy things. And it all feels huge and scary and out of control. And it is out of control. The crazy illusion is that we have is that we are in control of anything. We're not. We're not. And this is a, coming from a controller, right, by nature. I feel good. Isn't it crazy? I feel good when I feel I have any semblance of control. So, for instance, anyone the type of person that you're fine driving down the freeway as long as you're the one driving, but you don't like when someone else is driving? Same thing. Go the same speed, yet I'm over here going, mm. <clears throat> and I'm way more dangerous driver than the other people, and I don't say that proudly. <clears throat> we all are called to have faith. If you're in this room, you're at least open to the idea of having faith in God. Faith in God is what? It's trust. I'm going to make it real simple. Faith is literally just another word for trust. <clears throat> and we try, and you try, and I try, and we try to have faith, and we do, right? We have faith. What does that mean? Well, we have faith. You come here when you don't feel like it because you believe that God has something for you even when you don't feel like it. That's faith right? You stay um, committed. Some of you stay committed to marriage when it's going through rocky times because you have faith, yes, in your spouse, but also in God that he said, hey, this is the way. And even though it's hard, I'm going to stick this out because you trust him. You have faith in him. Some of you stay in really hard jobs because you believe God's called you there and he's, he's using you there and you stay because you, you have faith that something good's going to come, right? But the truth is, and I want you to think this is you individually, each of you, take a second, not your friend, you. 
Where are the areas where your faith falters? Our faith typically goes only as far as our feeling of control goes. The areas that we feel like we have some control in, we'll have faith in. But the bigger the stakes, the more we realize we don't have control. Makes sense? The bigger the stakes, the more we realize how small we are. That's life, right? That's why health can be such a crazy thing because that's the one area, right? That's the area that doesn't matter, rich, poor, in between. You know there's no difference. There's no control. We have no control. In these moments when the stakes are high, you know, some of you have faith except when it comes to your kids. Do you trust that God is going to work in the hearts of your children even when you don't see any hope? Do you have, you know, <clears throat> faith in, in, it could be anything, finances. Some of you struggle in finances. Yeah, I'm good except money. That's why, right, I always pick on you every week because some of you all, this is you. I don't like to give and you immediately get mad when some pastor starts talking about giving because I just want your money. Mm, too prideful. I don't want your money. Anyway, right? That's really, you feel in control when you have this money, right? The more money I got, the better my life's going to be. Is it? Do millionaires have accidents? Do millionaires lose family members? Do millionaires have marital problems? Do millionaires have mental problems? In the moments, whatever moment it is, whatever area for you that you don't have faith in is typically an area, right, where you like to be in control. And the truth is, the reason that you don't, the reason you get upset is because deep, deep down, your faith gets shaken when the areas in which you feel in control shake. And even the areas you feel good about, right? I like Luke was, both of them. Jill too, she said, when it's going to cost me something, right, that's when the faith matters. I use this all the time and it's true. I can say that I trust the parachute and I'm walking around with it all day and I say, hey, I jump out of planes, look at me. But until the moment I'm hanging right there in the air is going to show whether I have faith in the parachute. Christianity to, in America today, a lot of our struggles, I believe, recently is because for the first time in a long time, we're being faced with the reality that our faith doesn't come, doesn't mean security in the way that we want it. That there might be a cost now to follow him. And some of you in the room, and I say this in love, you still aren't grasping that yet. If you don't have faith to trust him in the areas in which you don't, you get mad when someone pokes, right? Whether it's church attendance or whether it's, I pick the ones that everybody gets mad about, stupid ones, right? Isn't that funny? We won't really argue about the big ones. Church attendance, money, whatever else it is. When you poke that area, you get mad. Why? Relationships. I see how much faith a couple has in God. We have had a lot of young couples get married here. I can see a lot of times the level of faith by how much they want other people to speak into their relationship. Don't, I won't let anyone come in because you might tell me something I don't want to hear. Even though the Bible says seek wisdom, and you're like, you'll say it until you're the one that needs to be seeking wisdom. Right? Why? Because they may tell you to what? What if God tells me to leave? What if God tells me he takes it away? Right? Don't say you don't think that. You do. I do. We all do. In those moments, whatever moments there are, right, when that, that shakes, we find 
like control slips through our fingers, that we realize we're just holding sand. And no matter how much I hold it, some pieces are going to move, right? And the more my hand shakes, fear. You've probably heard it. The opposite of faith is fear. It is. And some of you are like, I'm never scared. No, but you're anxious. You're irritable. It all comes from fear. It all comes from a fear. And what is fear? Fear is the realization and that we're not in control and the focus on circumstances around us. Because in those moments, circumstances are much, much bigger than we are. That's what's crazy about the world right now, right? You can, we can read about something in Washington, D.C. and go, this doesn't seem right. But what do we do? What do we do? Just wait, right? And that's scary. There's a verse I want to talk about. In Isaiah, right? You name it, you didn't write it, but it's you. Isaiah chapter 26, right? You got it? Show it. Three and four. Listen to this. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Now, we don't talk about rocks a lot. You don't live on a cliff, all right? Most of us live in a nice, some of you live in a, a nice subdivision, whatever it is. So you, you, you kind of lose sight of this. Everlasting rock. Here's another translation. The Lord God is the rock of ages. See, to those people, that would have, they would have recognized what that meant. What is a rock? The rock of ages, I like that. Doesn't matter how much time passes, that rock doesn't move. It doesn't matter whether the wind comes, that rock doesn't move. It doesn't matter whether rain comes. It doesn't matter whether wars happen around it. It doesn't matter whether sickness or disease. It doesn't matter whether cold or hot. It doesn't matter whether feast or famine. The rock stays the same. And it's not just a rock. It's the everlasting rock. They call God in the Bible is referred to as a rock over and over and over again. Why? Well, a rock to them is one of the hardest things, right? If you're by, what do you make walls out of back then? Feathers, you're right. No, stone, rocks, protection. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. The question we have to ask ourselves, right, first and foremost is, do you believe that? Do you believe that God is an everlasting rock? That he is the rock of ages? So you're probably going, Todd, uh, all right, stay with me. <clears throat> so there's a rock, right? We'll jump to 1 Peter 2.6 in the New Testament. For it says... In Scripture, it stands in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. What do you think the cornerstone is? Jesus. I, could have put, I wanted to put the whole section. I realized I can't put the whole Bible in this, right? But yeah, Jesus. It's the same God. The everlasting rock, the rock of ages. That rock is the cornerstone what is a cornerstone in building? Anyone know? Any of you construction people, what's it do? What do you need the cornerstone for? Bidjibaba, what? It holds everything together, right? 
keeps it stable. Move on. See if you notice a trend here. Matthew chapter 7. This is Jesus, 24 through 27. You all know it, and we read through it, and we go, I get it. Now think of it, rock of ages, right? Therefore, this is Jesus himself. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. It didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them. Pause. You can say you have faith all you want. Right? We can say that. But our actions are going to show whether we have faith, right? I'm walking around with a parachute. You're like, yeah, Todd, Todd's a parachuter, right? Whatever, paratrooper. Until I get up there and you see that I pee myself and I don't jump out, right? Then you realize, because I'm not jumping out of that plane. Everyone who hears these words of mine doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. Faith means giving up control, right? It means trusting God in every single area of your life. If you think about right now the areas that you're afraid, you're anxious, you're scared, um, you're worried, those are the areas in your life in which your faith isn't built on a foundation. It's not in that area, right? It might be a little section. I'm not saying your salvation here for a second. Stay with me. But it's not built on that. It's an area that maybe you've hardened some sand, right? Maybe you've, you've, you've made it packed it, I don't know, made it with Play-Doh, it doesn't matter, so it's fairly solid, but you still know, I don't want to give this up. I don't want to let go of this. I don't want to build on this because, right, if I build it, I at least know every inch of it, and I know, you know, the dimensions, and I know exactly where it's at, and as long as I keep the rain from it, everything's fine. I give you these verses because in the middle of this fear and this anxiety and and the things that are going on in this life, and right now in your life, guys, the areas, every single one of you, I don't care who you are, every single one of you has an area in your life, right? And maybe you're on the, on the mountaintop and you don't right now, where you have anxiety. Call it what you want. It's fear. It's worry. It's doubt. It's anger. It's frustration. This isn't one of the ones where I'm, I'm necessarily trying to the Holy Spirit convicts, but I'm not trying to convict you. In fact, I want to flip it. I want you to, instead of talking about the areas you don't have faith, I want, to, I want you to increase your faith by the realization of who God is. You know, the Bible tries to talk to us. God has always tried to talk to us in ways our little minds can understand. That's why we use pictures, right? He uses pictures like rocks and storms and parables and, you know, images of what he calls himself, right? Because we can't comprehend his vastness. That's why I love when he says, I am, right? Because that's, what are you? I'm everything, everything you've ever considered. Because he can't put it, but he tries. And here this a very powerful, powerful illustration of who he is. He is a rock, he is the one that's not going to fail you. He is the one that's going to keep you. He's strong enough. He's steady enough. Storms can't shake him. Rain can't shake him. Cold can't shake him. Heat can't shake him. 
Relationship troubles can't shake him. Finances can't shake him. He is steady and stable. Faith comes down to two things when you think about God. I've had this realization for myself, okay? And see if it's the case for you. Typically, our lack of faith comes in one of two areas, and I want to address both today. He's the everlasting rock. He's the rock of ages. But either you don't believe deep down that he is capable. He is capable of moving in this situation. Or you don't think he cares enough about you to do so. One of the two is the thing that causes our faith to be shaky. Now, many of you in the room, maybe you haven't ever thought about that, and you're going, that's not me. Yeah, it is. Think about it. What's going to happen if what? If you choose to love your spouse, right? Wives, if you submit to your husband when they're not loving you, what's the fear? What's going to happen, right? God, your way's not really going to what? Take care of me. Husbands, if I, if, I, if I love my wife when she treats me like this, she's just going to keep doing it over and over again, and life will be miserable. Oh, what does that mean? Finances, well, if I give to the church or I give to this ministry or I give to this homeless person, what if I don't have enough left? Which is it? Is he not capable of giving you more? It's probably both. Is he not willing to give you more? At the end of the day, you got to take care of you. Christianity has become interesting to me because we've enabled these strange little things in our faith and we've wrapped it in Christianity and it's become acceptable. So, for instance, money. Let me tell you what a lot of men do. You justify your greediness by saying, God wants me to take care of my family. I have to take care of my family and provide. So there's no way that I can give $5 to this home. What if he goes spends it somewhere? Then I'm taking food out of my kid's mouth. And every one of us will go, man, what a good man. He's really focusing on his his kids and his family, right? I'm I'm talking about myself, right? And everyone in here, no one will question that. Is God capable of providing for you above and beyond what you have in the moment? Again, we can all say yes until the moment we're called to test it. Now, here's the where it gets really crazy. Let's use the scenario. What if he doesn't give you that $10 back? What if you don't get to go to Taco Bell that week? Right? Is he still, still going to come through? So when you think about being a rock... He's the everlasting rock. What is that? A rock is it's capable of withstanding, right? Withstanding things. That verse says, you keep him in perfect peace. How peaceful do you feel? I've told you guys this from the beginning. If you've been coming for a long time, I, I, I'm to the place in my life, and I mean this humbly, right? I don't mean it in the way. I'm, I'm holding him to his promises, if it's some kind of made-up game where we just make ourselves feel better with these verses, like he didn't really mean it, I think he knew what he meant. If he says perfect peace, then I believe I can have perfect peace. The issue's not with him, it's with me. Okay, you keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. If my mind is focused on the rock, if my mind is focused on him, if I'm holding on to him in the storm, right, what am I not doing? Yeah, I'm not looking at the storm. I'm not looking at the circumstances. 
This happened over and over in the Old Testament. You know, there's even, God tells his people through the prophets, he says, he actually warns them ahead of time. He said, listen, I know times are tough and you are going to be tempted to put your faith in this other country, to make a a deal with this country that doesn't honor me. You're going to be tempted to do these things that seem safe, right? Because everyone else around you, that's what they do. You're going to be tempted to do that, but I need you to remember this. I am God, they are not. I am God, they are not. You know, I always think of, we've talked about this in, in men's group, David. When I think of David, I think of Saul. You know, when you read about Saul and his first big sin, do you know, like, we want to say he's evil. The sin of it was literally lack of faith. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but essentially God just said, wait until I send someone before you do this. I also want you to eradicate every single part of these people. All their, and what did he do? His men are going, hey, we can attack right now. No one's looking. It's perfect time. They're asleep. Let's do it right now. Then on top of that, what happens? Then he keeps some of the cattle, right? He keeps some of their stuff, and we're all like, I can't believe he didn't obey. Come on. All the people around, that that makes sense, right? It makes sense. But in that moment, what Saul didn't understand and what David did, because you can't compare sins, David's was worse. I'm just being honest with you. When you look at the reality of it, the difference between the two is in those moments when they messed up, their focus came back on him. It didn't go farther and farther away. See, that's what happens when we take our eyes off the rock, when we, when we let go. The crazy thing is, it's not just that we stand there. We get driven and, and pulled farther and farther and farther away. And the farther away we get from the foundation and the farther away we get from the rock, the scarier things are and then what happens we're like well now I'm so far away there's no way I can get back so I have to do what I have to take care of me God's never going to bring me a godly woman or a godly man so I'll just settle well there's no way I'm 30 I'm 32 I'm 34 I'm four I, 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 if I wait too long I can't have kids Sarah Todd, that's just a story, is it? See, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get myself to understand. Do I believe that or think of it as a fable? Whose mind has stayed on you because why? He trusts in you. What did I tell you faith is? It's trust. It's trust. Trust in the Lord forever. There's the encouragement. Trust in him. Build on him. Stay on him. Hold on to him. Why? Because he is the rock of ages. Time, weather, nothing can stop him. Nothing can overcome him. Chosen, honored cornerstone, and the one who believes him will never be put to shame. The one who hears and acts on these words of mine will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That's our foundation. In this time... Of, of insanity and craziness and fear and anxiety and all of the things that are happening, right? We have to focus on the rock. We have to keep our mind on him, even when it's scary, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense. Sometimes we're like, we're fine, right? We're fine holding on until it gets, the, the rotter's, the rotter, <laughs> that's not a word, the water's getting high. Mm. God says, hold on to me, stay on to me. I don't know, that guy's got a pretty good little sandcastle that looks a lot bigger than my little rock. 
my little house on a rock. We're all tempted by this. And my point isn't to shame us. My point is no matter every time we do that, no matter how small or how big, it's always going to lead to more fear. Because that's, it's the catch-22. It looks safer, but it always doesn't feel safer. You get what I mean? It doesn't feel solid. And that's, then, it just, then we're in a whirlpool of craziness. I've talked to so many people lately. It's like, man, life just seems surreal right now. Crazy. My guess is if you're not putting your foundation on the rock, it's because you doubt either his power or his love for you. Right? You can even acknowledge, some of you are like, okay, I believe he's a rock, but I think he's got some cracks, right? He, he can't handle this. I don't know how many times I've heard that. Let me tell you, let me give you one you guys say. And people actually say this, people I know. Well, he's got more important things to do. That's a very tiny rock. Some of you all have said that. Well, I can't go to him for that. I mean, that's, he's got a lot to do. I'm going to read to you a verse, Old Testament and New Testament. I want to talk about, we'll tie it up. I think you'll get, you'll get the point here. <clears throat> I'm trying to get all of these one-offs here before we start our series, because we're going to need to remember this as we move on, and the challenge that I think God is going to challenge his people to in the coming months, in the coming year, and that includes you. So, you know, the realized gospel, right? If you haven't listened, go listen to the realized disciple. And this, you have to look at his building, because I'm telling you, the challenge, I'm nervous. Because the people that stand on the rock when everyone hates the rock, right? Standing on the rock when everyone's trying to pull you off. Standing on the rock when everyone's trying to tell you to build on this. And then, and, and then goes farther and says, anybody on that rock is evil. Zephaniah, right? How many of y'all read Zephaniah? Probably not a lot, right? Some of you are like, what? You know what's in there. Yeah, I get it. Three, you got it? Go ahead, throw it up there. 317, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you, this is beautiful, by his love. And he will exult over you with loud singing. He will celebrate. This is what the Bible says. Even the Old Testament God, eye for an eye, right? That's what my dad used to say. Like it was two different people. He will rejoice, a mighty one who will save. He's in your midst. He's with you. He's always been with his people. He rejoice over you with gladness. He's happy with you. Did you know that? Did you know your sin and your mistakes don't pull you off the rock? See, that's, that's another thing. Sometimes the church people around you will be like, listen, you, you, just let go. You don't, you, don't, you don't belong on the rock. You're not good enough for it. That's still a test of faith, isn't it? Will you trust him over all the voices? It's easy to say you have faith when everyone's going the same way. What happens when you're told to go this way and they call themselves Christians? He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over your thoughts. And not only is our foundation, you're not just standing there like, well, I'll just sit here in the rain, right? That's, what, that's, that's the other thing. You'd be like, well, I'm just sitting here on this rock. Yeah, God's got me, but I'm miserable and, I'm, you know, hail's hitting my face. This is terrible. No. He will save you. He will rejoice over you. I am so happy to be with you. 
He will quiet you by his love. Why would he quiet you? You ever seen a baby? When they're screaming and crying and scared? It doesn't make sense, right? When you just hold, they could literally be hurt. My daughter's been doing that lately, right? She'll get hurt, and then she's gotten to the age where I'm like, hey, show me your ouchie, right? And I give it a kiss, and then she magically stops crying. I'm serious. I've learned so many things. Like, what is that? That is me quieting her with my love. And God is going to quiet you with his love. Now, sometimes it takes a lot, of, a lot of rocking and cradling and walking around, but the fact is he'll never let go of you, and he'll never stop. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I get it. Some of you are like, give me some meat. This is meat. This is meat because so many times we try to go on to all these things without understanding and having a, play on words here, foundation of what this is and who he is. He is steady and he is stable. And not only that, he's not some uncaring cold rock, but he is the one who will cradle you and hold you and he will rejoice with you and he is pleased with you and he will celebrate with you. Just being with you makes him want to what? Celebrate with loud singing. You believe that? Some of you in the room, you don't believe that, and you kind of laugh it off and mock it because deep down, you hate yourself so much, it's better to laugh about it than to accept the possibility because you've been let down so many times that someone loves you that much. Old Testament, New Testament, right? Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. Listen to this. Let this actually sink in, Christians, saints. Hear it. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, imagine this is said to you, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through what? His spirit. What do we know he is? What's his spirit? It's a rock. It's not going to move. That's why it strengthens you, right? And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Listen to this. I pray that you, here we go, being what? Rooted and firmly established in love. He's the foundation, but the thing that establishes you and roots you to him, right? That he is holding on is his love. His love holds you on that rock when you trust in him. Listen, firmly established in love that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. If you will just realize, and, and his prayer was, I just pray you'd understand how much he loves you, how big it is. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. I want you to understand how much he loves you. He loves you so much that I can't even put it into words that you can fathom. So that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Ephesians 3, 16 and 19. I've said this before. Sometimes if I say he loves you more than you can even fathom, you kind of just don't even try to fathom. Because you're like, well, there's no point. So let me, let me show you something that has changed my life. Okay. For me, right, it was, I love a lot of people, but let's just say my daughter, because in that case, I'm bigger than her, stronger. My love for her, if God loves me just as much as I love her, I, I, it has made me cry to think about that. Because I have actually said, right, when she was born, right, I, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know why, I literally out loud, I don't remember, a bunch of, you know, I was overcome with emotion, right? But manly emotion. Anyway, I'm holding her, and I say, like, I can't believe how much I love you, right? And I just met you. And Mandy said, right, and isn't it crazy that God loves you more than that? And out of my mouth that I've been thinking, I said, that's not possible. That's what my heart believed. And it, it, was, a, it was a big moment for me of going, Whew. 
I don't believe God even loves me as much as I love her. And I'm going to be honest with you, I still struggle to believe that. So if God loves me just as much as I love her, that would change my life. Because, yes, sometimes i got to grab her and make her upset. Sometimes she gets, hits me. Sometimes, you know, she doesn't like when I don't give her another cookie or something. You know, all of these things, right? Sometimes she doesn't like that. But at the end of the day, if I have a choice between something that doesn't hurt her and hurt her, I'll always pick the thing that doesn't hurt her. The only time I will pick the one that hurts her is when I absolutely have to. Because if a train's coming at her or a car, I 1,000% will spear her like Ray Lewis on a running back. I will take her out momentarily, right, to save her. So let me, some of you are going, I don't have a dog. That's fine. I don't care if it's your dog, your mom, your dad, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever it is that you love, genuinely love. If God loves you that much, what does it do to your life right now? Think about that. If God loves you just that much, as much as you love something, whatever that thing is, if he loves you that much, what would that do? What would that do to your life? You know, this is going to sound pretty radical, what I'm saying, but I'm a realist about people's lives. Some of you are in broken situations, and you don't feel like anyone loves you. And some of you, you know, sometimes we turn to addictions and things to cover that. So, so if this helps you understand your desire and love of that addiction, if God loves you that much, right, if he will go, what lengths sometimes we want to go to to get that filled, that's what he'll do for you. Whatever it is for you to understand, that starting place is a great place to start to know love that surpasses knowledge. You get what I mean? And it's more than that. So God doesn't love me just as much as I love Daisy. He loves me more than that, which, again, I already told you. My faith is shaky in that area. I have no issue. See, for me, I know God's God. He's going to do what he's going to do. For me, it's the issue of, does he love me? Will he, does he always, you know, does he want to hurt me? Or does he, does he want to choose the way that doesn't hurt, you know? Because sometimes I, I, I can fall into that trap. And that can come from the way we were raised sometimes. It can come from wounds we've had in our past. Let that sink in. I read those two verses because, again, okay, so let's think, kind of think of this little message here, a little different than I normally do. I like to be very, well, think of it as three parts. One, you have to understand that he has to be your foundation. In the midst of this fear, God is a rock. He won't move, right? Okay, well, I'm scared, Todd, because what's going to happen if I fall off this rock? How do I know? How do I know, right? Is the rock strong? Well, we'll get to that. Does he love me enough to hold me onto it? I just showed you. Old Testament, New Testament, same God, right? I could have given you a thousand verses, but let's just do two. Because if those were the only two verses in the Bible that mentioned his love, that'd be enough, wouldn't it? To just say, hey, his love surpasses knowledge, <laughs> so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. If you want to be, oh, so good, I just preached to myself. In order to understand the fullness of God, it's tied in with how much he loves us. Isn't that wild? No? Nothing? Nothing? No one? I get why those people in the South go, can I get an amen, right? They just want to know, they just want to know somebody's hearing you, right? Don't, Greg, not yet. <laughs> there's people going to be scared. All right. So I got, listen, I, there's a thousand verses, man. I, ha, I actually had a bunch ready for this to show you this next part. Because remember, I said love for you. Now we got to talk about power. Nobody wants to admit they doubt God's power. Nobody does. But you do. You do. 
Me too. So I got, but I, I just decided, why, why do I need to talk them into this? Here's one verse, Jeremiah 32, 17. And God had to tell, see, in Jeremiah, they were being tempted by that very thing. They were running away to false idols. They wanted to make alliances with, with nations that weren't of God. And he's saying, hey, uh, don't do that. And I love, go read that. The old prophets, it gives me goosebumps, because that's kind of the times that God flexes a little bit. He's like, it, apparently you, you misunderstand who I am, right? And he has to tell them, listen to this. O Lord God, you yourself made the heavens and earth by your great power, and with your outstretched arm. Let's put it simple. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing. Nothing. To me, I mean, it's kind of wrapped up here. He made the heavens and the earth. you believe that, David? I know you study that stuff, right? The Milky Way, the moon, all these things. Some of you science, I'm not going to say nerds, Emma. Some of you science people love, right? God made it. He breathed it. He can spend suns on his finger. Galaxies are nothing to him. They're a whisper. They're a vapor. He speaks and things happen. He breathes and life happens. He set the sun in the sky and threw the stars in the sky. He makes night and day. He makes water not run over land. You ever thought about that? We're like, man, that is weird. Water and land. We all just take for granted because we were very arrogant. We think we're so smart. Have you ever just think like a child and go, why does the water not run over everything? Because he said, this is where it ends, this is where it starts. But he can't handle your relationship problem. He can't bring you a spouse. He can't handle your finances. He doesn't know better. He can't overcome that health crisis. And I'm not telling you he's going to do it the way that you always want it to. But what I can promise you by his word is he will always do what's best for you. He will work out all things for the good of those who believe, right, according to his purposes. What are his purposes? To finish the good work he started in you. Some of you all are scared of him finishing it. So you'd rather kind of sit in fear and anxiety than have to walk in faith and see what he's going to turn you into because you don't even fathom the plan he has for you. You know why he calls you a saint? Because he sees what's already finished. He sees the final product. Time don't exist to him. He's looking at it all. You made the heavens and earth by your great power. And with your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. I want to ask you something, okay? And maybe it's just me. Sometimes I tell you, you guys get up here every now and then, you know, I think you guys think I say this as kind of pastorese. I'm not good at that. If you, if you can't tell that already, I'm not good at that. Like, Blake's pretty good at that, right? Luke's awesome at that in a good way. You mix it, right? <clears throat> I'm not. So when I say this, I mean it. I'm in a place in my life where it's like I want to walk in faith and not now and then, not sometimes. I don't even want to do it 50% of the time. I want to live my life rooted and established on the foundation because every single time in my life that I've walked in faith, something incredible has happened. That's a fact. Every time. And yet I still go, man, I wonder if something's going to happen. I don't know if it'll turn out okay. Every time. Was it easy? No. Did it hurt? Sometimes. But would I trade it? No. I hesitated because if there was a way it didn't hurt, I probably would have traded it. But if I had to trade, right, where I'm at, if God said, hey, you didn't have to go through it all, but you wouldn't be here, I would say no. 
That's hard when you're in it. That's why it's so important, guys. You have to keep your eyes on him. The world's going to tell you to take your eyes off him. It's going to tell you, yeah, it's okay. Just kind of touch him. As long as you're touching him. And that leads to anxiety and fear. So you have, to, you have to step outside of your churched life. You got to step outside of your 45-minute sermon where we taught an hour and then one song and then I go home and I get to do what I really want. That's the problem. This is life right now in this moment with the saints. This world is not going to get less crazy I'm going to say that again because some of y'all need to hear it. It's not going to get less crazy. It's not. We have to accept that because otherwise we're living in delusion. So we what? We strengthen our faith now. So tangibly, what does that mean? It means stepping in faith in the little ways you can't. So I'm going to be very, very specific. If you're a money guy, I'm greedy, blah, blah, blah. I do this sometimes. I'm not even, I hate, I don't even, it's not the money. Maybe you're like me. It's the control of like, what if somebody, what if I don't have enough, right? I, you don't have to do it this way. I sort of punish myself. If my mind doesn't want to give 100, I give 130. You get what I mean? That's a step of faith. I'm ch- some of you need to do that, right? And if your mind goes, well, I can't, I can't give 95, but I can get 94.572 because I did my, you know, my, my, my budget. Kill it. Kill that part of you. Husbands, you're, you're like, man, my, my marriage is never going to be better. What if you walk in faith and love your wife as Christ loves the church? It's not always easy. No offense, ladies. Right? Now, here's the one. See, that one everybody's for. Ladies, I'm about to upset you. You are called to submit to your husband. Let me tell you a way that I can already tell you you're arguing about that. Because you bring up a verse above that that says, in mutual submission. I got you. Not the context. He meant very clearly what he meant. It's, but my husband's an idiot. Right? I'm just being honest. But God isn't. There's little ways that you can start to strengthen your faith and take another solid step on that rock. Some of you are kind of like, I'm on it, but I'm on the corner. Or I got one foot on my sandcastle. Feels pretty good. Just take a step. A step more. You know, for some of you in here, and you know, this isn't this is not good business, but like I love that the people, some of you guys, we, we, we I don't remember what we call them, Brandon would know. Like we have names for people that visit a lot but aren't members. Pretty much like, what do we call that? Regulars. There you go. It's like a bar. Hey, come on in. We got the regulars. I love that our regulars. I love you guys. And don't you ever feel unwelcome? But here's the thing, man. If it's not here and you know that this is good, find a place to call home and trust because the reason you aren't is either you were hurt. Right? Or you're afraid to make the wrong choice. Either way is a lack of faith. Step into it. It doesn't have to be here, but God did tell you that you need to be in a community. You need to be in a community of believers. You need to be in accountability, and, but also what? Weep when they weep and rejoice when they rejoice. Well, I don't need anybody. Everybody needs somebody sometime. Is that a song? <laughs> nice. Didn't even mean to do that. See, Luke, I got gifts. Anyway. You get what I mean? Maybe the step for you is to say, 
I don't want to come in too close because people are going to know me. Maybe faith for you is diving in. But you have to be real with yourself that it's lack of faith. Because everybody has a good excuse. Come on. Everybody's got a good excuse. Every single one of us. Some of your all excuses, if you told me, I go, that makes complete sense. It makes complete sense why uh, you don't submit to your husband. He is an idiot. I'm just kidding, right? But listen, the truth is people cover their faces. That's what I mean. I, I, it doesn't matter. I always tell people this. It's not about your faith in your husband. It's about your faith in God, your trust in him. Some of you kids in school, you're like, I'm not married. Yeah, but do you want to live different? You want to be the same? You want to be cool and laugh and giggle and go to church and then do everything everybody else does on the weekend or in the basement or in your room? Come on, I was in school. You don't think people don't know? Just because mommy and daddy pretend they don't doesn't mean I don't. Some of you guys with girlfriends in high school, and you know, like, you've been here a long time. You're like, well, I'm a church kid. I grew up in church, so you're old enough to understand this. So now, but you don't live it. You don't, you don't practice now showing your girlfriend what it is to be a man of God. Would you be doing what you're doing in that room if Jesus were there? If the answer is no, then change. Sorry, parents, but they're in here. They're big enough, they're big enough, right? The way you talk. <clears throat> so I got three things for you. I got a list. It's been a long time since I brought the old list out. Don't get too excited. It's only three parts, all right? I just have the rock of ages. What can you take? What can you know? What can you rest in in the rock of ages in God? Truly believe in this. Number one, the rock of ages is steady and stable. In a world that is insane, God never changes. God never changes. Let that sink in. If you act, again, I'm, I guess I'm preaching to me. Todd, if you really believe this, I would go, whew, right? He's steady and stable. See, the illusion is all those other things are going to be more steady and stable. It doesn't matter how well-packed the sand is. Sand is sand, and eventually a storm that's big enough is going to come and knock it to pieces. And some of you all get caught up in the really fancy-looking sandcastle that you don't want to live in the tiny little rock cabin. You know what I mean? He's steady and stable. Let that encourage you. He's not going to leave. He's not going to change. He's not going to break his promises. He will come through if you, if you love that spouse. He will come through if you're generous and kind. He will come through, you know, if you trust. He will come through if you get in community. He will come through. But to, today's the day that you're being challenged in that area you've been running from. Not to hurt you or upset you, but so that you can live in real peace. Number two, the rock of ages is what? He's the creator, he's the sustainer, he is the God. He's steady, he's stable, he's the perfect foundation, and what? He has the power to do what he said he's going to do. Sometimes I think about God's power and it literally overwhelms me and I got to stop thinking about it, right? Because I still fit him into a box. Any box you have, he's outside of it. Miracles are real. People change. Lives change. Things happen. God is good. And he loves to show off and show out in the lives of those who put their faith in him. He does. That's what he's done from the beginning. 
Moses, right? Run up to the sea. Well, we're in trouble now. There's no way. Hmm, what's the most unexpected way? I will split it, right? I'm going to redeem mankind and set my kingdom on this earth. What's the best way to do it? Die. I will die. You know what I'm saying? He always does. That's something I'd like about him. He's just wild, right? It always reminds me of that Mufasa thing, right? In Lion King, that's what it's like. He's the creator, he's the sustainer, he's God. He's big enough. He can do it. He can move in the lives of the people you're worried about. He can move in your life. He can move in your marriage, your finances. He can move in your faith. He can move in your fear. He brings light to dark places. I almost put that verse in here. It's a beautiful thing. There is no darkness that can overcome his light. And number three, and this is big, he loves you. And will not ever abandon you. He loves you and will not ever abandon you. You will have many troubles in this life, but fear not. Fear not, for I have overcome the world. I'm leaving you for a time, but if I leave you, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm coming back. I go to make a place for you. He hasn't forgotten you. He's not ignoring you. These are promises, I can tell you. He hears your your hurts and your cries, and he sees your tears, and they're not empty. Will you trust that? You see, when when when, when my daughter wakes up in the middle of the night sometimes, right, she'll, she'll, she'll cry and scream. And it's funny, man. Like, in that moment, I always wonder, to me, it's five minutes, right? Two minutes. It's usually not even five because I'm a panicker. Mandy will be like, let's give her five. I'm like, it's been 30 seconds. We need to go now, right? But let's say it's five minutes. That's five minutes to me, but that probably seems like forever for her. But in that moment, she's going, what if nobody comes? I'm coming. And you think, by the way, if one of you all comes in the house, I don't care how big you are, Luke, right, and you're trying to stop me from getting there, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. So will he and so is he. He's coming. Hold on and trust. It's five minutes to him, even if it seems like an eternity to us sometimes. He's coming. He loves you. She's going to come play some music. And like I said, guys, I know it's not my typical style, right? And I usually go a little deeper and a little more. I get that. But I can't help but feel the last three weeks. And now as I've been talking to some of the leaders and some of the elders, like we're getting prepared to kind of move into this, this, this next series and kind of like a real challenge and a real pushing back, right, against those outside things, saying we're not going to move, right? Talking about saying in order to do that, we've got to be firm in who we are and who he is and what we've built our life on. Because if we're not and we try to take a stand, right, it's going to fall apart. So some of you go, man, I, I know all this. It's deep. Yes. Yeah, God wouldn't talk about his love for us so often if he wasn't fully aware that we have a tendency to forget simple truths. The word God has lost meaning sometimes, and, you know, even to me, God. I had that thought yesterday. I was talking to someone, they were talking about, it was last night, talking about God, and I'm like, yeah, man, just had this moment of like, what? It's almost like I can't even put into words what God is, and I try to make him just this, this name. That's why I love to go read what he called himself, right? The Rock of Ages. 
I know that life's scary. I know some of you are going through trials I can't even understand or fathom. I mean that. And some of you are battling addictions, and some of you are like, I, I, I give up and I walk away because no matter how many times I try, I keep stumbling. That's fine, right? Stay on the rock. He didn't say we're not going to slip on that rock sometimes, right? He didn't say that there wouldn't be times that maybe we, you know, we forget or maybe we fall. That, that, that doesn't matter. He just says, listen, I'm never going to leave you. You're rooted to me, and there's only so far we can go. The world's scary. Circumstances are scary. Sickness, disease, finances, war, relationship problems, all of it is scary. I don't know what you're going through. And some of you, you've been carrying anxiety and fear so long, you don't even know what you're scared of anymore. You just keep marching, right? Sometimes that's what we talk about, right? We just got to keep going. Ain't nobody coming. That's the lie for you and me, brother. Somebody is coming. And that's why we, we have to hold on. Because he is coming. And I want you to let that sink in today for these next few minutes. Let yourself, remember what I said earlier, if all you can do today is believe that God loves you as much as you love your dog, that's an okay place to start. Because he loves you more than that. And not only does he love you more than that, he has the capability and the power to sustain you and keep you and move in your circumstances. He has the capability and he has the desire. That's not going to be a natural thing to think, but that's why these moments, this time, this altar time, as we stand in the presence or sit in the presence of God, stand, as you have this moment to think just you, everyone else fade away, you and him. Let that sink in today because I promise you, even though I'm not saying it's not going to be hard as soon as you walk out and I'm not going to say you're not going to have moments of it, but in general, that peace he talked about, right? Perfect peace is attainable. Sometimes, though, I don't know about you, but I can just handle like imperfect peace. I'll just take a little piece. He loves you. He's capable. He's steady. He never changes. He keeps his promises. And even though the world seems out of control, I promise you, he is fully aware of what's going on. It's not out of his control. And he's coming. Right? That makes me want to cry. He's coming. He's coming back. And that's good news. It's not scary for us. It's only scary for those that don't know him. Which leads me to this. If you're in this room and you don't know him, he does love you. He wants to, right? He wants to, to save you, but... You've made yourself his enemy. The gospel's really pretty simple. He made everything perfect, and he made us be in a relationship with him. And our one rule, the main rule, is we put our trust in him, and we let him tell us what right and wrong is. He's God and we're not. And every time we disobey, every time we go our own way, when we, re we are rejecting his authority, and he says, okay, you don't want to sit on the rock, you don't want me, then I'll let you have what you want. I'll let you go out there and be thrown away by the storms and the waves. I'll let you try to make your sandcastles. I'll let you. But what does it lead to? Misery and anxiety and cycles over and over again. And you know it and I know it. Something inside of us is broken. And even when you try to be a good person and even when you follow Oprah's rules, right, or 12 rules of success, even when you do all the right things, somehow, some way, some other place leaks, right? It's like a cup with a bunch of holes. You put your finger in tape and it stills leaking out. It's because you can't fix the problem. Sin is the actions that you do, but even more importantly, it's a disease that's inside of you. It's a nature. 
The Bible says that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that because of that, right, we've all sinned, that the wages of sin is death. You will die. You will die. And no amount of begging or pleading in that moment, right? There's no take backs. But the second part of that verse, but what? The free gift of God, right, is eternal life, right, in, in Lord Jesus, in, in Jesus Christ. So when we couldn't find a way to fix ourselves, right, we, we try to climb. That's what religion does. It tries to get you to climb to him, to build a ladder to him. That's never big enough. It's never good enough. And sometimes we say, I'm good because my ladder is bigger than their ladder. I'm a better person than them, but the standard is God. When we couldn't go to him, he came to us. He invaded this earth. Jesus Christ existed. Jesus of Nazareth existed. The son of God. God made flesh. He came down. He told us how to live. He reminded us that he is God, that he loves us, that he can hold on to us, told us how we're supposed to live. And then he did something incredible. Remember, you have wages. You have a debt to pay. You're guilty before a holy God. And there has to be justice. And before you say, why does that have to happen? Well, I'll come inside your house and I'll shoot your family and your dog. And then I'll just come in and say, I was a really good person for 364 days this year, judge. And they say, go home. That's okay. That's not justice. We know it. So what did he do? He took our place. He said, I'll go. He died on the cross, a horrible physical death. And in a sense, a spiritual death, in a sense. Right? As the father turned his back on him, he couldn't look at him. He was truly and utterly alone. You've never been as alone as Jesus was. And then three days later, this man who existed, remember I asked AI a little while ago, right? Remember this? <laughs> Go check that sermon out. It's crazy. Anyway, three days later, he was raised from the dead. Over 500 people attest to this. He conquered death. And what he offers you today, listen. When he offers you today, I don't care who you came with. I don't care if it's the only time you come. Today, you have, an, you have an opportunity. God himself is calling you and saying, will you accept what I've done for you? The Bible says if we put our faith in him, if we believe him that Jesus is who he said he was, the son of God, if we put our faith in him, if we confess with our lips, right, and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, if we say, God, I turn away from what I've done, I repent, I come to you, I need your help, forgive me, I accept what you've given me, God, in that moment, if we confess with our lips and believe in heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved, period. In that moment, you will be transformed. You don't believe that. It sounds crazy. You will be a different person immediately. Now, it's going to take a little while for you to start acting like what you are, but you are that. And you never have to be afraid or alone, right? You never have to wonder what's going to happen after you die. Your fate and your future will be secure. You're going to have an opportunity to pray today, whether it's to just talk to God about your fears, whether it's to repent believers and say, Lord, I've, I haven't put my faith in you lately, or whether you're in this room, listen to me. This, the, the moment from when this light goes out to the back, some of you will go, I want that. And then you let that other voice say, don't do that. People are going to look at you. You're going to look stupid. It's going to be weird. All of that stuff it tells you, don't listen to that voice. Listen to the one that's saying, I love you. Come home. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to. There's people willing to pray with you today for anything you need, including if you need to know how to talk to Jesus. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, I pray you guys uh, respond.